Hi, this is Patrick Ray, director of I Am Lisa, Nailbiter, and Arbor Demon, and you are listening to Nightmare Junkhead. your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that knows an abandoned barn is always scary no matter what country of its origin <laughs> my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode we're throwing on our best berets as we utter pardon our french extreme with a month-long trek into the new french extremity and we start by talking 2003's High tension. Long ago. <laughs> and whether or not you have handled it a quickie saw, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare <laughs> Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your furniture hole. <laughs> and if you are out modeling on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which again leads to shenanigans and French shenanigans. And as this episode is releasing on Friday, November 12th, Mm -hmm. all you have to do is head over to Screenland.com where they have your French shenanigans taken care of indoors. And virtually. And oh boy, genius. (laughs) The day this episode releases. Speaking of shenanigans. (laughs) Werewolf orgy. It's always interesting when we can throw that <laughs> phrase out, and it's and relevant. It yeah, because yeah. <laughs> we'll say it regardless. You know, could be a Tuesday. Right, right. Anytime, anytime's a good time for a werewolf orgy. But on that Friday, relevant, appropriate, uh, and a and a, an experience you just had for yeah, the first time last year. Yeah, over uh, this year's Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament, competed in the year of 1981. We actually have a 4K restoration. Ooh. Of Joe Dante's The Howling. I really dug this movie. It, it wasn't as cartoony as I thought, but there is the Joe Dante players, and I appreciate that. And I think we mentioned the fact that it's probably one of the more serious Joe Dante films, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy considering the content of the movie. Yeah. Uh, but again, anytime we get to get that hairy and. And that's scary. Is scary, and, Picardo? Yeah, and it's not even talking about the werewolves in no. terms of the hair at that point. Because. <laughs> right. This is 1981, but it feels like 1976. Oh, on 42nd Street, the hirsute. <laughs> Very straight up. I mean, literally. Yeah, it opens on up on 42nd, 42nd Street. Street. <laughs> uh, but if you haven't seen that, please come on out for it. I guarantee a good time. And then the following Friday, a film that I'm pretty sure actually did compete in an Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament, because I know. Yes, yes, it did. We've talked about it before. Uh-huh. Uh, a film that I remember seeing in the theater. I even remember seeing the teaser trailer Mm -hmm. and just being awestruck by it. Uh, But never fails to play well. We've got uh, Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow. With Christopher Walken being extra scary. Doing the... Ah! Ah! Channeling his inner Pee-wee. This is... This landeth beeth Oz. Ah! 
<laughs> and I didn't know he was going to be in the film. No, surprise walking. When he shows up, I, and just, again, he is just largely silent. He doesn't utter a word, but it's still terrifying. Well, he's got those filed teeth. <laughs> and there's a lot of gore. Not, not so much gore, but a lot. A lot, lot of decapitations. Holy There's smokes. a lot of death. There's not a lot of blood because it's still it's Tim Burton. Yeah, but, but you, do you remember who actually plays the the writer outside of Christopher Walken? It's Ray Park. It's Ray Park. It's Ray motherfucking Park. It's he Darth had Maul. a hell of a 1999. Yeah, he did. Between that and uh, Star Wars, that's a hell of a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also Casper Van Dien showing up and sleep. It's kind of the perfect encapsulation of. The late 90s into the new millennia? Well, because you're going to be like, whoa, it's that guy. Whoa, it's that guy. Oh, it's that guy. <sighs> the, <So>. uh, <laughs> would we call him at this point, like, not the specter of the ghost of him? He's the embodiment, he's the embodiment of another time, another place. Yes, he is. Because he was in everything. And then you're like, oh, yes, it's him. And then later on, you're like, yeah. Oh man. I know. Well, and the fact that uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But uh, the other repertory screening that is going to be going on the weekend of the twelfth, uh, continuing the Paul T- uh, Paul Thomas Anderson train from uh, what we just had going on last year with uh, Punch Drunk Love, mm-hmm. another film that he's very known for, and another one that's not fun, but very very watchable. When's the last time you took in Boogie Nights? <laughs> Oh boy! Oh no! Oh no! So, I, I love Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights is a great. Uh, it's not a. It's not a feel good no, movie. No, it's not it's a feel good movie at all. However, I remember I had a vivid memory of my first uh, screening of it. We, I was at West Glen, and we went to see Boogie Nights. And at the very end, when he pulls out his dick, right, and he's just talking to come on, buddy, right, or whatever. I just, I don't know why. I was good the whole entire movie, but I started cracking up, and I'm like, it looks like Snuffleupagus, right? Oh, my God. And then, like, and then you could just hear like somebody go, in the back, and then you just hear more people start laughing, and I'm just sitting there like, ha, 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 ha. Look what you rot, Genius I McGee. I couldn't help it. It was a forgiveness thing. Well, there's, everything was so serious and like, and there's such a buildup to that moment and that and reveal. Roller girl and fucking like William H Macy's does terrible things at the party and everything just de-escalates into just like madness and murder and shit. And then at the end, dong, and, and it's just like <laughs> not necessarily the dong we needed. It's the, the dong. Batman dong. Yeah. But come on out if you if if dong is on the menu for you. Oh, bird! <laughs> oh, that got a giggle. In the, that knows you did well there. Thank you, off off mic. Uh, now, <laughs> to stay indoors technically, but looking forward to the month of December, uh, the Kansas City Horror Club, Genius McGee. What do they got going for us? Let's rein it back in. I did, man. I didn't realize Boogie Nights would throw you off. That I didn't. I didn't know that anecdote. Of Boogie Nights, so from here on out. Oh boy, yeah, I can't watch the Boogie Nights. <laughs> I got a brand new pair of roller skates. All right, so <laughs> it's Cosmo. It's Chinese. Pop, just throwing like fireworks. And I think gave a whole new generation <laughs> an appreciation for Stan Bush's The Touch. I again. 
Obviously, but he will move you. Do we need to go watch this one? I have a feeling like <laughs> we might either ruin the movie for someone or maybe just watch it here from the comfort of the home. Well, we're never gonna do it as a commentary. That's for fucking sure. Oh God, no! We're ruin the movie, Boogie Nights for somebody. Watch somebody is probably gonna watch Boogie Nights tonight, and then they listen to this and like never fucking mind. Or now they're gonna be like, now I really want to watch Boogie Nights. No, actually, I really kind of now really want to watch Boogie Nights. So. <laughs> Good job? Uh, well, anyway. speaking of good speaking jobs. Of good <laughs> December 5th at the Cable Building. It's two blocks away from the Chicken and Pickle. The Horror Club is bringing back Merry Axmas. We're going to have 25 vendors, uh, all with local crafts and stuff. We're going to have uh, Krampus. You can, yeah, Krampus is making Krampus an appearance? Krampus is coming down. You can come and hang out with Krampus. And it should be a good time. And, of course, you're going to be raising money for the Walking and Rolling Foundation. So it's going to be a good time. It's always been a good time. And this is about the time of the year, the the best time of the year, to uh-huh. go ahead and stock up on all your horror and genre goods for all your horror and genre friends and family out there. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, that is all happening indoors. And if you are out of the Kansas City area but would like to contribute either to Screenland or even the Kansas City Horror Club, Easiest way to do that for Screenland is head to ScreenlandOnline.com, uh, where they have a number of films that you can rent. Uh, of course, you can go to Kansas City Horror Club on Facebook. And Absolutely. Check out all the stuff there. That's where the announcement's going to be. Or uh, if you know any of the vendors, talk to them. So Because I know everybody's excited. The, the turnout for the drive-in was awesome. Um, and then this one's going to be great, too. I think people are ready to have a little bit of fun. Mm-hmm. But if you would like to become a member of the Screenland Film family, uh, all you need to do is head to patreon.com slash Screenland, where they have a number of perks for every tier, uh, including a variety of watch parties of which we are involved with. In fact, uh, our latest Shutter shout-out is going to be happening on Saturday, November 27th. Mm-hmm. Where we're going to give a little bit of our Thanksgiving leftovers. Yeah, and we had an idea of what we were going to stream initially, but then we realized I don't think those things are going to be streaming potentially at the time, or are they? They are. They are. They are. So we've got then, oh goodness, talking about saving room for leftovers, mm-hmm. we've got the wonderfully initially divisive film, Blood Rage. Oh, there's going to be some interesting discussion on that one. (laughs) And then we're going to be following that up with an 80s classic. A a Crampton classic. Crampton classic indeed, Chopping Mall. (laughs) Thank you. Have a nice day. (laughs) Now, those, of course, are streaming on Shudder, but if you join the Screenland film family, you're going to have access to what uh, Genius McGee lovingly refers to as the... The... uh, Nightmare Junkhead. The home game. The home version. The home game. Because we will give you a customized pre-show, uh, individual introductions of the film by ours truly, or yours truly, ours truly, us. Us. <laughs> uh, vintage trailer reels for each film, and of course, the post-film discussion. And again, we're going to talk about Lannisters and all sorts of good stuff. So if you're ready to scoop up your leftovers off the kitchen floor <laughs> straight from your hand, you can go to screenland.com, excuse me, patreon.com slash screenland. But genius, if I'm talking film family and Patreon. Hey, pallies. <laughs> still on that stuff, lumping his cake. No, and that's the problem is now I'm still just thinking of I'm a star and now it's. I'm a star, <laughs> a big, bright, shining star. <laughs> and it doesn't work. It's just killing me. It's killing me. 
But we've put together our so, own. Speaking of dong, yeah, <laughs> going back to our own film family. Non-imaginary, right. they are all there <laughs> over at Patreon, and we'd like to. I'd like to give a little quick shout out to uh, film family members Dustin, Diana, and Chad for coming out for last Friday night's fright, David Fincher Seven. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd like to think. The reason to come out for those is obviously a lot of the, again, the customized content. Yeah. We always do a pre-show. We've got vintage trailers, a lot of fun. But we always try to give a little con- Ex- extra, little extra, extra context, extra. enhancement potentially. Oh, uh, yes. A lot of enhancement. Like the pills you take at the gas station. <laughs> and I'd like to think that maybe we're not FDA approved, but no. we're still pretty good across the counter because, for example... What did you give a little tidbit insight to the movie Seven Genius? Well, like Greg was talking about, people are coming to see the movies. Nobody's coming to see two jerks yakety smack. Exactly. Right? So Ex- we want to make sure that you know it's fun again with the custom pre-show and one seeing in the movie theater, you know, but also a little bit of tidbits, a little bit of intro. Like for example, did you know that in Seven, the gluttony victim, not only did he originally weigh four hundred and fifty pounds, but they added a fat suit on him and to get him all the ligature marks and stuff. <clears throat> And it took like over 10 hours to get it in there. Then they decided that they're going to dump seven crates of cockroaches in his, all over him. They had to put guards in his mouth and ears so their nose so they don't crawl up in there. But a whole bunch got into his underwear. So right? let's hope he was clenched up. Right. And so then and for a way of saying like, hey, you know. I'm the director, David Fincher. I got your back, right? I'm going to make your next scene where you have to lie on the autopsy table. I'm going to give you a giant dick, right? And so that's what happened. And then when I said, okay, so we're going to have a whole audience of people right now openly looking for a giant dick on screen that you didn't know was there. So enjoy seven. What's in the box indeed, right? (laughs) So finally, when the movie came on, (laughs) when... When the scene came up, first of all, you, all the cockroaches, you just hear people go, ew, because there's even one person who goes, nope, at the beginning when I was saying that. Yep. But then when they show it, and it's it looks like a fucking salami. It looks like one of those cartoon salamis that like a dog would run off with, right? It's a big fucking dick. I mean, I'm like, that's that's, oh, a, that's we, a dong. Like Dirk Diggler-esque? No, what? it's it's like a two-liter bottle. It's It's girthy. Right, everything on that gluttony dude is huge. Right, let's just put it that way. <laughs> and when that happened, you hear some of the audience go, "There it is!" Right, and then everyone's like, "Ah, yay!" Right, and there was like cheers. So <laughs> you normally don't. First of all, you normally don't get cheers in seven, and you normally don't get cheers for dong. Well, unless you're like watching a movie with us, nomads, um, pieces, any, pieces, any dong, yeah, like, yay, dong, right. But normally not in seven are there cheers. <laughs> There's little levity going on in seven. Right. So anytime you can get some laughs, you're not doing bad. <laughs> so the fact that, yes, we had a Where's Waldo moment, but with Dong. Where's Dongo? Dead Dong. Yeah, yeah. Fake dead Dong. Fake dead Dong. Fake dead giant Dong. <laughs> he needed a magnum condom for his monster Dong. A mouthful. I oh, mean, it's, God damn it. it's, 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 it's rough. It's rough. But I'd like to think then those people that came out for seven, a movie. I mean, I think we only had two people watching it for the first time. No, we had more than two. Was there more than oh, two? Oh yeah, we okay. had like about six or seven. Okay. Ah, that's. <laughs> oh my god! I'm glad this isn't on Patreon and you're paying for this. <laughs> no, but we really did have about that many. There was that was more than I expected. 
But I'd like to think that the people that have seen it for a million times, they got a little bit more bang for their buck this time. Literally. And when they come back to it next time, maybe introducing friends and going, hey, by the way, did you know? Check out this, check out this big giant dick on this dude. It's gluttony. <laughs> so thank you, all three of uh, Dustin, Diane, and Chad for coming out. And uh, So if that's not an incentive to come out to every Friday Night Fright, if there's dong, we'll let you know. Oh, of course. We, we, we celebrate dong. I think we even <laughs> yeah, said we, we do celebrate it. Yeah, we do. Also, the Stephen King warning. When, oh. it's Steve, when a movie Stephen King approved, as of this one, we'll go into Yes, later. we do. And we'll even give you another time. Another place. Warning, as we like to do. But if you would like access to some of that, again, the home version of which you do have access to with our Shutter Shoutouts, uh, head over to patreon.com slash nightmare junkhead where we do indeed have every tier from a squiddly diddly to aforementioned another time a giant dong <laughs> is that going to be the next no. top no, level that, tier yeah, that's the ultimate tier if you're thanks to all the pallies and the giant dongs out there i'm afraid of what the perk is going to be for that one though oh, i think in, i think gi- being a giant dong is the perk in itself Wait, they they wait. Do we give them a wait? How is this working? I, I don't know. I don't uh, want to know the logistics no, at this not, point. No, we're, yeah. we're not adding another tier. We're <laughs> we're not adding another. No, tier. that's a tier that's coming down right now. <laughs> going, let's just stop this right now. <laughs> so one thing that we have genuinely enjoyed uh, on the podcast is a chance to kind of go outside of our normal comfort zones, mm-hmm. some of our normal time zones, cross borders. Across the seas, my friend, into international horror. In fact, we kicked off the year in January. Yeah, with the wide, wide world, world of weird. La, da, da, da. The fact that possession and the untamed have come up multiple times throughout the year. Not even on the show, like just in general, general. conversations. I don't in know if that's life, good. Dude. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> if we're setting up a bad precedent uh, here, we're opening up portals and shit. But we're. Ge- I genuinely go. Genuinely enjoy going and seeing films originating from another country, uh, because again, we get different customs and cultures. Mm-hmm. But scary is scary, regardless. Gory. Fucked up is fucked up, regardless. Regardless, and, and we're getting fucked up in November. My and we th- we were kind of we laid out a number of themes and mm-hmm. ideas, and I don't know what it was, but it was initially what the French, mm-hmm. and right beforehand pulled an audible. Pardon our French, extreme. <laughs> and oh boy, oh boy, I love me some Italian. Mm-hmm. Love me some Japanese. Mm-hmm. Love me some German. Very rarely have we, and we even during that entire month, we did not delve no. into the French. The French are not known for their squidly diddly. They're known for extreme other things. The, the language of love. Mm-hmm. L'amour. Ooh la la. But in the aughts, around the year 2000. In the year 2000. <laughs> On lo- oh God, <laughs> online, I began reading about a number of films, uh, genre films specifically, coming from France, and that were hard to watch, mean, super gory, mm-hmm. challenging, violent, extreme. Ex- I mean, it was in its title, French Extreme. The French Extreme, the new French Extremity, and which is weird because 
even before this, I didn't think of French when I thought of horror. No, no. You know, I would think of American horror. I would think of old school Italian horror. You know, even old school British hammer horror. You know, those are the main ones that like that are big. But we don't think of like it's not until recently of the um, Indonesian horror we certainly been, like learning about, and now like the French extreme that came out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't think of like I French when I when think I of think horror. of French, and you're I, gonna dive all over this. Uh, the before, new wave. New wave. You know, like, yeah, French Nouveau. Mm-hmm. And, like, where everybody's wearing the beret, where you get the stereotype with music by Gus Vesur and his, like, Serge Gainsbourg. Right? Yes. Or then you would think of, like, you know, French freakout or, like, ooh la la films, you know? So, or romantic. Certainly. Things. You wouldn't think of horror. But. And not even, and especially, like, the extreme level of horror we go. And that's the one thing to look into is the fact that. We're not necessarily the people that gravitate towards, or at least myself, towards the more extreme kind of movies. I love guts and gore and violence and stuff, but when it becomes too much for just too much, I'm like, okay. You know, like there's even times where I'm like, trauma is too much, Mm -hmm. where I'm like, I'm not in the mood for this. And like, but sometimes. If I'm feeling extreme, you know, because, like, I'll sit through Human Centipede and I'll sit through Martyrs, which we will do later, you know, and, like, I'll sit through a lot of that shit. But sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm done. Or, like, it all depends on what mood I'm in or it all depends on what I'm up for. Yeah, and it's the mood. And let's just say this, ladies and gentlemen, I'm feeling so extreme, I'm drinking Mountain Dew. Extreme! I'm over here on a bird scooter doing flips and shit, getting on extreme. The press, yeah, Atamwa actually prepped you for the extremity we were mm-hmm. going to go into, but it was actually a film, uh, a film critic by the name of James Quant that came up with the term the new French extremity, and it was in res- it was basically again all of these films and especially these filmmakers that were coming out of France, that and I believe kind of the the main thing they were looking at is the um, the sexual decadence the bestial violence, and the troubling psychosis. And that's kind of a through line through almost all of the films that were coming out during that time. Mm-hmm. And just looking at those things, sexual decadence, yeah, that's going to put some people in a tizzy. Uh, bestial violence, let's think about the children, uh-huh. and then the troubling psychosis. And that's the thing that I really dig with the movies is that, yes, on the surface of things, you can... Just enjoy them as just gorific movies, but a lot of the times there's something else kind of bubbling underneath the surface, whether it's the subtext, the metaphors, or what have you. It deals with not only the violence, but what the violence does to the psyche before, after, and during the yes. whatever horrible shit. And that's one thing I like about it too. It's not just like guts and gore for gore's sake. I like eighty slashers. Mm-hmm. There's like a lot more like themes going on. Well, and I love me some slashers, but also when like. I don't know, maybe when there's another level of violence, like psychological violence, you're like, God damn, that's insult to injury. That's what makes shit memorable, and that's what makes things cool. And, like, I think... Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I love all French extremity movies because there's somewhere I'm like, I- I'm done with this. It's cool. And that's the thing when I when we were kind of looking at putting together and programming what we were going to talk about. All three of the films that we're going to be t- talking about in the main feed, we've actually seen before. Mm-hmm. So we weren't actually stretching into the new stuff. Now, that being said, on Patreon, I'm at least going to be watching Inside for the first time. I, I do want to seek that out and watch that because I do want to kind of challenge myself. Because like you said, you have to be in a certain kind of mood for a film like this. Uh, in fact, I remember seeing 
several of uh, Gaspar Noe's movies, mm-hmm. of which, so <sighs> last year my my grandmother finally passed away after just a long bad. Just, she was old, and she was mm-hmm. I know she was ready to go, and her passing was very was peaceful. It was just one of those things. It was we were relieved that she was no longer suffering. So that week, I needed to see something in the theater. And just so happened, Gaspar Noe's Climax was playing at Screenland. Oh, no. Oh, I remember this. It's, so Climax is the, the one that's all about the dance troupe mm-hmm. that gets together, and sh- French extremity shenanigans ensue. <laughs> and French extremity shenanigans are not like your normal shenanigans. They're crazy. But the way he shot the movie, there is this like low frequency bass thump throughout the entirety of the film and it was messing with me to the point i got up to go use the bathroom and i was in theater i would have been in theater four i remember this distinctly because as i got to the exit before i was able to make my way out into the lobby i passed out now was it all gaspar noe's climax movie part of it I was dealing with a lot of stuff, but the fact that and with the senses. also then the actually the beauty of the movie because there's an opening dance sequence that I think is available on YouTube, and it, if you watch that and then stop, because again the stuff that happens is intense. And actually, though, I will say this: that movie, if you've seen it, it ends on a moment. I would I do want to watch the movie with you because I need to see your reaction to the ending because it made me giggle. Even after I like legitimately passed out, I was like, "Wow, that's that's pretty good, messed up." But a lot of these films are ones that I watch, I experience, I process, and then I never watch again because of the level of brutality and just mm-hmm. the journey that it takes your psyche through. It's intense, and for me, it's not really enjoyable. It's like watching Irreversible for the one and only time, right? And Again, Noe is that guy that challenges you, and it's it's uncomfortable. And I mean, there's that twelve minute rape scene that is deplorable. It's nasty. It's it makes you question why do you do it? And that's their thing. Yes. Like how how uncomfortable can we make you? It's an endurance test of movies. Yes, it's very taboo, and they are still t- tackling those subjects that we still look upon with kind of a from far away, which. I think you do need filmmakers to do that Mm because they still need to test the boundaries. But in today's day and age, because we are more aware of things and because there's still more of an oversaturation of things and because it's easier, I think, to just do extreme stuff without thinking about the cause or effect, like you said, of the stuff that happens before, during or after, it's easier to throw that kind of stuff out there. Mm -hmm. But I think the fact that you had this like trend in the 2000s and they said actually it was a direct reaction to the rise of uh, right wing no right wing extremism over in Europe, ah. and how it was just starting to really find its footing. And I mean, quite honestly, if you look at the, today's days, the you know the c- current political climates now, you're going to see I think more movies built around that. Yeah. So I don't do I think we're going to get like a. United States extremity or anything like that. We already have the torture porn category. Torture porn, yeah. If you think about it, that was almost a response to 
9-11 and a lot of conservatisms and different things along those lines. So, like, that's the friend. They're always going to take things a little bit to the extreme. America's had the Civil War. They have the French Revolution. So it's like... Cannonballs for you, guillotines. Guillotines for us. Yeah, Yeah, so... Well, even, like, the spirit of the Grand Guinal and the idea of this, like, crazy... The phantasmagoric, the bloody, the more violent. That was, like... The thing to do. But also, and we've talked about it from, from, I think, the very beginning of the podcast with you introducing the idea of feeding the gator. It's all cathartic. And when you're purging those things, whether it be through plays, through movies, mm-hmm. you're probably better off for it. And if you look at, like, France as a culture, I don't think there is, like, there's a lot of violence going on. Of course, it's always there, but... I like the way they think. <laughs> they're, they're, more, they're more known for l'amour. Yes, but now, thanks to Alexander Aja, Gaspar Noé, a number of these filmmakers... Now they're known for sex and violence. Oh, and oh, the violence. It's intense. And I remember hearing about High Tension mm-hmm. back through... This would have been 2003, 2004. No, I was. Would have been like, oh, yeah, because it came out in two in France. Yeah, but it didn't, it didn't hit come the States. States until like three or four. Yeah. yeah. So I remember, you know, it would have probably been the Ain't It, Ain't cools. it cool and Joe Blow and shit like that. Yeah, and just hearing of the extreme violence mm-hmm. that it's this crazy slasher film, but it's a clash, slasher film with a twist. Yeah. Which, weirdly enough, Aja and a lot of his movies, I don't really see that much of them anymore. It's really mm-hmm. only with this particular film. Mm-hmm. And even looking at his body of work, I like a lot of the stuff that he's done. I do, too. I like a lot of Alexander Aja's things. There's a lot of stuff where, like, I was like, oh, he was a part of that, too? Oh, he produced that. He Mm -hmm. directed that. And that this wasn't his necessarily his start, but this was really the film that launched him to the public consciousness, Mm -hmm. to the genre world. And, oh, boy, oh, boy, a film that... I think got a lot of the hype and the hyperbole because of the twist beca- and you know because of the ending and because of you know everything that's involved with this movie. Uh, but do you remember your first experience seeing this one genius by any chance? Oh, absolutely. I remember seeing the trailer. The trailer was cool. What was the trailer? The trailer was just like this like slow remix of Sonic Youth's version of the cover of the Carpenters uh, Superstar. Don't you remember yeah. you told? Oh, yeah. Because it just starts off long ago and so far away. And I'm like, oh, this is creepy, right? Because it is. <laughs> it I mean, is. It, when, like, it's a whole beautiful song when sung by the angel voice Karen Carpenter, but when sung by anybody else and slowed down. When Thurston Moore's doing it, it's right, a little it's problematic. Very, it's very slashery. It's very stalkery. Don't you remember you told me? And upon hindsight, it fits fucking perfect. It completely it fits perfect. And we actually did watch the trailer beforehand because you were talking about it. You're like, I remember the trailer. And, you were, and you're I was like, sold. I was like, I saw this. I'm like, that movie looks rad. There's a chick with like barbed wire around a two by four fucking shit up. Like there looks like a big Michael Myers Lummox looking dude. I am down. And they were and knowing really- that it was violent. Knowing that, like, hearing it's, that, like, it's hardcore violent. It's oh, like, man, I was more than down. Saw that when it came out. Opening weekend, I believe, would have been West Glen. Wow, okay, so you saw that in the theater. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you remember by any chance, were there a lot of people there? Mm-hmm. Or is that going to be no, one of those it where was it's just... like There was, like, ten people there, but it was rad. And I was, I enjoy, I've always enjoyed the movie, even with the twist and everything, because... 
I had to suspend my disbelief. I mean, looking back on it now, I, my armor protecting that movie is rusting a little bit because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, okay, I can see that. But at the time, I was like, fuck, yeah, yep. this is what I want. You know, yep. I want violence and gore and, and, like, all sorts of, like, sexual undertones and a madness-inducing twist. You know, I dug it. I still, to this day, think it's, like, a really good entry-level French extremity because it is violent, it is gory, it does all those themes, but it's not to the excess that we'll see later on when those boundaries yes. get pushed. And then it becomes... Like gore for gore's sake, because every good art movement turns like into something different at the end. So I thought this is a great one, and I'll still defend this movie to the day. But it does get a lot of hate with the uh, twist. It really does, and that's when I remember hearing the reactions and going into like the comment sections and the talkbacks and hearing about people that had experienced it. And I'm also of the opinion where I don't think an ending like that can ruin a film for me because I will enjoy the journey up until then. And, you know, if it, that's the case, then I'll still have enjoyed the journey. Mm -hmm. You know, the but I remember seeing it on DVD at a home viewing and I dug it. I really dig. But when the moment happened of the twist, I was like, oh, okay. Okay. But some separation from it, watching it again here, knowing the twist, actually you can view the film then that second time going, oh, okay. There's that seed was planted there. Okay, that seed was okay. But then, I mean, if you're looking for like logic and stuff, yeah, sometimes. you really there's a lot of not there's a lot of suspension of disbelief. It's not dream logic. It's not fast. No, 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 at not at all. I'm like, yeah, there's things where you're like, I don't. How can that be in the laws of physics and nature? But at the same time, you know, and I don't know if I was just. Back in the day when I was like hook, line, and sinker, like, no, it made sense. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, and, but I wanted to like believe it more than it did. Well, sure. Know? No, but, well, like, it's because I really enjoyed it when it came out. Well, I mean, like, I still really enjoy it now. But yeah, looking back on it now, I'm like, how did they, if that, and how is, I'm trying to go non spoilery as possible if nobody's watched it for the first time. Of course. Well, let's just, we can do some non spoilery talk here. So, first and foremost, apparently, it's very similar to a novel by Dean Koontz called Intensity. So, yay or nay on the Dean Koontz? Are you a Dean Koontz fan? I like Dean Koontz stuff. He's like, uh, always saved Stephen King, but at the same time, I dig his stuff. And, you know, Affleck was the bombing phantom, so... Fuck yeah. Fatting like a motherfucker. <laughs> but what I really dug about this, and again, talking about like subtext, metaphors, and so forth, is this idea of like duality and repression especially within the main character mm -hmm. and this feeling of of what happens when you can't express your true feelings and what happens when those feelings manifest in a yay or nay kind of way again french extremity shenanigans but i like that that that's on it's kind of beneath the surface and again it's something you could read into, or maybe if you're feeling truly pretentious, like write a dissertation about. Right. Because I think it's there. Absolutely. But even if you don't want to view it as like oh, that, it's, it's still a creepy setting because you got Les Ilbillies out in the rural areas of France in a deserted-ass farmhouse where everything bad happens. It's it's basically a French hillbilly runs amok. Yeah. It's backwoods French horror. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like the strangers. It's yes. Less strangers. Less strangers, which I think... I think it's inside is very, is very much similar because it's all about kind of the and this is 
that extreme isolation mm-hmm. when you're so well, far well, removed. That, that's, that's a terrifying thing. That's one thing I hate about countries and going and like about the country. No matter what the country, wherever there's a murder barn, that's not good. No. You could be in France or Nebraska. That is not good. And the question is, would you find yourself out there? No. Rather not. Would even though that you're going with a friend, you know, you're just the family's friend's farm, you know. No. No. Friend, family, friend's farm? No, that doesn't sound good at all. You lost me at farm. <laughs> you know, like if for, uh, family, friend's flat? Cool. In the city? Right. Fair enough. That's Dope. good. I'll go I'll go to Gay Perry all day long. Ooh la la. Will you take a holiday genius? Absolutely. Take the lorry. Go, you know, <laughs> and just have a ball. So, we've identified then the I basic... Would be les incompetents. <laughs> We've identified why the film works. It's in its essence, it's backwoods horror, and the kills are great. Oh lord! So the kills are violent, and the kills are gory. Ah, oh, the gore. So the the extreme gore in terms of the extremity here, done by Gianetto De Rossi, who did work makeup special effects on a number of films, including uh, David Lynch's Dune, ah, uh, Lucio Fulci's Zombie, great, but more importantly. Did the special effects for Rambo 3, which I found very interesting. And <laughs> that's, I got that. That's See what I was approval? For. Yes. But the level of gore in this is nauseating. It is mean looking, mm-hmm. it is severe, and it looks like it hurts. Like it's not everything. friendly. It's no. not fun. It's the. I mean, and everybody gets it. Let's say it's Stephen King approved, and there's like animal violence. Oh yeah, trigger warning. And you know, interestingly enough, anytime a dog usually goes into any kind of trauma, you'll hear it because you'll hear that high pitched that hurl, and then you'll see that this one they didn't do that. No, it was surprise violence. It's just he plopped on the floor like a good boy dog, you mm-hmm. know, actor. But no, it was that's traumatizing, and that whole home siege, I. Remember, for some reason, that initial thing. Stick. Uh-huh. I thought it took a couple of times, if I remembered right, because it was a real slow thud into it, and then it came back, and it was the second one that did the job. But apparently I misremembered it, because it's a one-stop. I think it's the Berenstein Bears thing, because I remember too. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Was Le Buck Flowers in it? I don't know. <laughs> Black floor. But that, so I'm not indifferent on remembering that. That is good. Uh, the severity of that and the fact that we basically Stephen have... Stephen King approved again. That was a violent-ass thing. Well, all the shots of the cornfield, considering we just recently watched Children of the Corn. He's a child of the corn. He yes. walks behind the road. He's coming for you, Jean-Pierre. <laughs> so I don't know if that was just still in, my, in, in, in the blood there, but the way that was shot was terrifying. Mm-hmm. But also... Kind of beautiful and mean, yeah. It was grotesquely mean and like and grotesquely beautiful. It was because like the French countryside is still a gorgeous place. Yes. I mean it's significantly more beautiful than like the Kansas, Gatlin, Nebraska. <laughs> right, right. And so no, it's already beautiful there. But then you because it's exotic, right? Mm-hmm. And then you add this like brutal, brutal murders. Out of nowhere, you're going to have horror fans' attention. And speaking of attention and attention, it lives up to its name because once that serial killer comes into play, it doesn't fucking stop. You're off. It doesn't stop. And, like, 
there's this like in like you're how you were saying there's this pulsating beat and climax in this there's this grinding throughout the entire movie that's you know and it's just adds to the tension and adds to the discomfort it's again this is not a fun movie but i was really enraptured with this one because again it's been a while since i've watched it and of course knowing what's happening with everything i was actually really off put by the big lummox how much he reminded me of kind of a french em uh, m m at walsh le mois le mois is that le mois le mois that le mois it's like it's like la croix le mois but he's terrifying yeah, in he this is. film. Yeah, he is. He looked like and, um, Michel Myers. He was big and crazy and scary. And his introduction. His introduction getting head from head? It's gnarly. And that's, I remember, that first time watching, I'm like, ew. ew. And there's even a blink and you mix it moment in uh, Eli Froth's Thanksgiving, where the guy's doing the same thing at the very end uh-huh. with one. So I don't know, again, if it was just the post-2000s that was in vogue. Head with head, yeah. But... And then just the nonchalant tossing of the head. I'm done with it. Oh, it's awful. And again, it's just the stuff that happens on the outskirts of town. And you, it sets up that this guy doesn't give a fuck. No, and he's into really nasty, gnarly things. Right. And heads will potentially roll, as they do. But we have the two standouts in here. We have Cecil de France playing Marie and Mywin playing Alexia. Mm-hmm. And I thought both of them were fantastic. Mm-hmm. But we were going throughout, and I was looking at Mywin's IMDb, and that's when it hit me. And even just looking at her face, very distinct look to her. And I was like, God, I've seen her elsewhere. So, of course, go to the IMDb, and a lot of French stuff. But it turns out, at one point, she was married to Luc Besson. Uh-oh. And she was in The Fifth Element as the diva. Get the fuck out. She was Pava Laguna? Pava Laguna. That's fucking rad. But when you look at her again, you'll go, oh, yeah, that's you just need. See, maybe he w- maybe the killer wasn't trying to kill him after all. She was just trying to get the, the, the stones. stones. And then, like, all of a sudden, there's Gary Oldman. Four stones, four crates. No crates, no stones. You know, and he's over there. You know, let's just put this big old crazy hillbilly in there. Let's have some chaos. Look at these crazy critters. So busy now. Actually, you could throw Gary Oldman in this movie, and that would work. I'd be totally into that. I would totally be into that. But we don't have Gary Oldman, and that's okay, because you don't need Gary Oldman in this, because, well, no, you always no, need No, you Gary always Oldman. need Gary Oldman in anything. But at the same time, this works without Gary Oldman. It does, it does. Now, the home siege starts, if you notice this, with the moment of self-intimacy. Um, yeah, as we as we will as we will Her say boredombation. this. Boredombation. Boredombation. See, I always thought it even started a little bit before that because it started like he started really approaching the house when she pulled that cornfield prank. Ah, and I think the whole fear of losing her and stirred and losing her and her betraying her kind of like kick started off and even in the face of the unfamiliar and the family and seeing that as um, opposition something in the way yeah and especially because like when she started doing that little peep in the window mm-hmm. and then she did the borderbation mm-hmm. and then that's when shit kicked off so yeah so it basically like a, yeah there's a connection there mm-hmm. potentially which i thought and again i thought that was interesting because acting upon the urge brings about the kills and the manifestation of everything and good lord uh the shot of her under the bed, 
That was effective, terrifying. Effective and terrifying. Totally forgot about that. But one thing, let us let us know, and I don't know maybe if it's French furniture or what have you. That's some strong old fucking furniture right there. That one's some Ikea shit. It was not. That was, it did not budge. That entire th- that whole thing when she is trying, and she, and Marie is like, she's, uh, uh, um, yeah, Marie is buff in this movie. She's cut. So when she's having troubles moving that one piece of furniture to get the phone into the jack, mm-hmm. I'm just like, damn, that's some solid shit. Yeah, it is. That's some heavy, like, family heirloom shit. Which leads to... From, from, from the makers of Ikea, Der Gruppetitern. The Der Beheader? Yeah. Or the La Nebreaker? The Nebreaker. And then the fact that you have kind of the off-screen killing of the mother, and, and that that's not necessarily a spoiler because you know the just off-screen a lot of brutality are of the mother when you come in and she's like asking for help, Ugh. and then he slices the throat again, and that was a very violent because she's still breathing and it's still being effective, and she's got that waddle going on. Yes, the thing. and then you yeah. see the little bit of the neck movement. Well, it's very Savini-esque in yeah. a lot of the kills, and then you hear the sawing and the sound design in this movie is. It's oh hardcore. my god! It's haunting. Yeah, it's haunting. But there's that. There's the axe in the chest when you really hear the squish and the movement. And then, of course, you know, killing the kid in the cornfield off screen. Kablam! But the kablammy, yeah, it's crazy intense. You get the next kind of set uh, set design. The big set piece is the market siege, which in and of itself works really well. You've got the greenhouse siege. So again, you've got these great little set pieces that just continue along once everything gets started. And they both have awesome silhouettes because like the killer is a very haunting presence. Ooh, yeah. And then Marie, when she's running, she's or when she even when she's fighting she, back, she's got an awesome like presence too. She's 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 kind of lithe, but at mm-hmm. the same time, like she, she's tone, it's the short hair. It's very distinct. Yeah. Like the way she looks is not an accident you know that is very much the way that is built into the story there um and then the, the, the next set piece is the gas station one. Oh, i love that but it was a great kill but it, it was a juxtaposition with like the pixicato 5 music in the background just the, the music yeah it. yeah do 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 meanwhile like well and then you get the as we said the hacksaw jim duggan moment or dugan moment and we had the uh Leho, Leho, <laughs> and the kind of the imagery that the movie was set sold on, like the bat with the barbed wire, mm-hmm. and how that ensues and how that works, uh, totally worked for me. We are forty-five minutes in. I do kind of want to talk a little about some spoiler we stuff. We have to go kind of spoilers now because this is the point of contention. A lot of people like really dig this movie and can forego mm-hmm. the inconsistency of the twist but a lot of people are like man that's too fucking inconsistent fuck all this boo this man so cuz there's a really interesting moment where we've seen the um surveillance camera reveal we've seen chases we've seen like two cars after with muse playing in the background i, I yeah and really effective soundtrack too yeah. i actually really dug that mm-hmm. but we in the narrative we see Big bad guy chasing our final girl, and she's trying to save, you know, Alexia. But as it turns out, the whole twist is Marie's been the killer from the mm-hmm. get-go. Multiple personalities, a la frailty. Uh, no, identity. I, yeah, and I don't even know if it's necessarily a multiple personality thing as much as it is the manifestation of her rage and repression of not being able to be with Alexia and to have Alexia telling her about all of her dalliances with 
guys that are with girls already that right. you know in relationships. Because she's calling her the slut the first time from the get go. You slut. You Just need the to playful down, banter right? back and forth. I think it's definitely. I don't know. I think it's multiple personalities for the fact that like they fight. Mm-hmm. They actually fight. Mm-hmm. I think they fight for dominance of like who's gonna because you see when Marie bests the killer and she's coming as Marie. It's not until later when she's like, what? You don't want... Well, now, now the other personality comes out. Well, there's even that line when he's talking to her after they go, like, they do the dueling bags, basically. But he's like, what do you want from Alex? Mm -hmm. And it's very pointed. And when you look at it through her perspective... Turns you on, doesn't she? Turns me on, too. And again, just that back and forth between them... It, it sells more of the character mm-hmm. and what she has gone through. And again, this is not a sympathetic character. No. But here's the other thing, and I think this is one of the other issues that people had with it, and maybe this is just people reading in too much to it, but they thought because that uh, Marie is a lesbian, that this is basically saying, well, you know, the LGBTQ community, they're all crazy killers, blah, blah, blah. Do you, do you find that to be relevant, or is that no, just reading too much into it? I think that might be either reading too much into it, or I'm sub- I'm sure people have that argument, too. But I don't think it's, like, the fact that she's a lesbian. I think it's, like, the repression is one of the factors right. of the creation of that other personality. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people say that the personalities are created to help the main person deal with coping bad. Yeah. You know, that's their coping mesonary. So I think the fact that she was so repressed and the fact that she probably didn't even know there was she was until like she saw Marie up in there. She kind of felt it, you mm-hmm. know, like we'll always be together. But it wasn't until like, uh, hey, and then the whole like losing her aspect with like really manufactured or she's been doing this for a while. Yeah. Because if you noticed, uh, the killer in his car had a lot of different pictures of girls. Pictures of girls. Yeah, that that's done. very true. So we don't know. I think she doesn't know of this killer. I think it's one of those malignant things. Certainly. You know, trapped in the mind thing. That's where I'm kind of like, okay, where I'm trying to defend the uh, thing, but the inconsistencies, okay, they're both driving cars. You know? I just have to assume at that point that, you know, whenever we see her in the Ford, whatever it was, uh, but that she's still in the truck, but and that's just something else. I don't think it's set out to vilify the LBGTQ plus community. I don't think so either. And uh, that's and it's like when the whole thing with uh, Michael Myers, you know, being homophobic. Right. I don't think it's set out to that. I think no. it's, they were just there in the house. I think the filmmakers tried to have some representation. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, you know, again, Michael Myers is going to kill whoever's in the house. It could be a gay couple, a poly couple, a fucking. Uh, Asexual a wasp person, couple, yeah. yeah, it could be a fucking retirement home. But also, maybe it also just goes to the fact that yes, that you know, if someone is feeling they're having to hide and repress their actual sexuality At and who they are, time it's going to come out. And, it's going to hit you with furniture, you know. And again, it's the trust. <laughs> Hopefully, not that, but <laughs> it's or that the, trauma with the quick saw. Holy shit, the quick saw. And you know what? They give that away on the posters. I mean, not on the posters on the In cover the, art because, yeah. Like, uh, that in, was in some posters. It's it's the it's Marie with the uh, with the bat right. barbed wire post. But then and there's some posters. It's her with the uh, buzzsaw. And you're like, oh man, you're kind of like telling people what it is without well, knowing. I'll tell you though that buzzsaw, the way it basically they have it undo the car and then undo the, the individual guy inside the car. That was rad. And when the blood splattered on there and she was still going, that was a happy accident. That was yeah and they, yeah that and that's. Beautiful, actually. Yeah, it is. And again, yeah, that's it is. like the in the level of brutality, and again, the level of gore in that scene 
You were giggling, my friend. I was. But you can't help but kind of giggle in that moment. Because it's so violent. It's crazy violent. But also, again, the violence is kind of realistic, kind of not. So it does kind of walk that fine line. Because you're already there. She's already going back and forth between Marie and the killer. Like, while she's it's, stalking... Um, Oh, Babette? No. What is her Babette. name? <laughs> Alexia. Alexia. That's not. <laughs> Let us not go back to Veronica, my and, friend. <laughs> and uh, and she's got that gnarly uh, windshield glass. Oh, in her, my in God. Her and the tendon. Yeah. Well, and the, the entirety of that scene, actually, the way it's shot kind of in the morning. Again, you're still going on this tension filled ride. You have not stopped. No. At all. But the way it's shot, it actually kind of reminded me a little of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Absolutely, 100% reminded me of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It reminded me of, like, the Parisian uh, the Parisian Quicksaw Massacre. It works. And again, you talk about something, a night of, a night of terror, the morning run, mm-hmm. trying to escape, and actually getting then... Getting in cars, yeah. and cars getting fucked so up. So I'm assuming that was probably on purpose, just oh, absolutely. kind I'm, of an I'm homage. 100% convinced this is an homage to, like, Psycho, to Texas Chainsaw, yeah. to all those, like, slashers, that those those kind of, like... Well, because if you think about it, Psycho is kind of one of those intellectual slashers. It was one of the first ones to deal with, like, two Actual. people residing in, in the in mental illness. Yeah. And then you have the home invasion aspect, and then the car aspect with the texas chainsaw yeah. and then you have just the, the sheer violence and some of the creepy stalkers of the halloween and the fr- and the friday the 13th franchise so i definitely think this is not only his entry into the new wave of the new wave of french extremities but i also think it's like his homage to old school 80s slashers and so yeah and it totally works and based on the strength of this film he was a uh, west craven handpicked him to be the director of the um, Hills Have Eyes remake. See, that one was a little rough for me, but it wasn't as rough as part two. Part two, part two was way too much for me. Well, and I think he produced part two and directed part one. Kind of the same thing with Piranha. And I love the first Piranha he did. The first Piranha he did was great. I watched that as a first timer for Into the Mouth of March Madness when I think a couple of years ago when that one came out. Second one, not as good, yeah. but it's still fun. Did you ever watch Mirrors? With Kiefer Sutherland or is, with Yes, that's with Kiefer Sutherland, isn't it? I think so. Well, it's the one it's one of the films that he did in between the remakes and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was all right. If you haven't seen Crawl, Crawl is great. Crawl is fantastic. Well, I went in a little disappointed cuz I actually thought it was kind of the uh, legacy sequel to Son-in-Law, but it turns out it was not. Uh, but once I got over that initial disappointment, Holy shit, that movie is unfreaking real. It was a great creature feature. Yes. It was a great creature feature. And almost like a little bottle kind of movie as well. Just you're in just big one, one, house. one yeah. little location. But then again, people are like, that uh, shower can't be strong enough to hold a gator. Again, like, yeah, it might not be strong enough to hold a gator. And yeah, you know what? There's probably not any way possible she can drive two cars. <laughs> but It's okay. It's we right. like to go for a different kind of ride. And this one... Works for me. Uh, worked for the gore hound in me. It worked for the pretentious, you know, film snob in mm-hmm. me. It worked for the explorer in me because we're going international. This movie worked for me across the board. And I think it worked all the better because it had been a while since I've watched it. Yeah. Like I said, I have to be in a mood for this kind of movie. This is the one that not necessarily rewards rewatching because I think once you're over, the, once you get that twist, yeah, you know, it's it kind of either adds... Or detracts. It all depends. This is one of those ones where, like, 
again, your mileage may vary, <laughs> but I think you definitely need time in between viewings to see this movie and really dig it. But I guarantee you, though, it will instill a response. Oh, you're yeah. either going to love oh, yeah. it or, or hate it. Like, man, boo this movie. Or you're like, man, that was great. But I can't imagine you coming out just indifferent. Meh. Yeah, I just can't imagine. In fact, the entirety of all the films that you know we're going to be watching this month, you're going to have reactions to them. So final thoughts there on High Tension, a.k.a. Hot Tension, a.k.a. Switchblade Romance. I like the last shot. <gasps> that last shot. Okay, and having not watched in a while... The little bit where she can't see us, can she? No, no, no. And she sees, and she's like, And oh. she, she does this little reach out to her, and she's got this look on her face that I even said, I, I was like, oh, that, that kind of messed me up. Like, it really did a number on me, that last look. Yeah. And then you just cut to credits, and boom. Don't you remember you told me you love me, baby? <laughs> it's got that little <laughs> little laser thing in the background. I love that Love that cover. No, I liked it a lot. I liked this movie a lot. The violence is great. Um, it's super atmospheric. And again, it's called High Tension for a reason. It, does, it's, it doesn't fucking stop. No false advertising. Right. We're not watching Naked Lunch. <laughs> No, again, your mileage, like you said, may vary, but I'm curious to find out what anyone out there thinks of this particular entry, so reach out to us there. Now, next week, we're going to another film that actually did compete in Into the Mouth of March Madness a few mm-hmm. years ago. What film will that be? Well, you'll just have to tune in next week to find out. And until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Bye.